Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the La Brea Purvea, where we recap and deep dive into the NBC sci-fi adventure drama La Brea. I am your purveyor, Pete Phillips. With only three episodes left, La Brea really advanced the plot this week, but somehow I think the madness is only beginning with auroras and fighting jets and a whole lot of fire. Episode Recap We start the episode with Ty again, in 2021. He's been the focal point of the season so far, and he is waiting with Sam in a car while Gavin waits for a contact that will sneak him into Madura Air Force Base. They're still at Oscars, too. They love this place. You know, folks, it's Oscar season. Sam is really squirrely about it all. Inside Oscars, the woman who's been following them shows up and pretends that she and Gavin go way back like they're old drinking buddies. But when she sits down, she gets serious and pulls a gun on Gavin. I feel like he could have won this standoff since they're at Oscars during the middle of the day and it's the hottest spot in L.A., but he goes with her anyway. As Sam and Ty watch, they grow concerned and try to stop them. But the open design of this wonderful eatery allows Gavin and the woman to slip away. In 10,000 BC, that Sam is checking on Gavin's vitals when they hear a beep on the laptop. How is the computer able to stay on continuously? Extra potatoes. The mystery chatter on the computer, which I realize is a confusing way to refer to somebody who is chatting, but I don't have anything else. The chatter finally answers the question of who they are. Of course, they answer it cryptically by saying, the person who has your wife. And then a picture of Eve's stand-in appears, bound with zip ties, and her face covered by her hair. Then they go on to ask Gavin if he remembers what he stole. And he does. It's the computer chip. And it gets to where we figured it would go. Get the microchip, and you can trade it for your wife. Later, Sam retrieves Maya to consult with Gavin, and she admits that the chip is the key to weaponizing time travel. They recruited pilots like Gavin because they wanted to put that tech into planes, make an entire fleet of time machines. Oh boy, did I laugh at fleet of time machines. So Gavin has to get the chip, but he doesn't know where it is. So Sam devises a way to get a message to 2021 Gavin via the tar pits. I think you're the tar pit. So Sam is rolling the dice that someone will find this message, and they maybe might get it to Gavin. And then Izzy appears, and she starts to alert everyone of a big fire that's heading their way. According to science.org, paleontologists have long tried to understand why once numerous populations of megafauna, giant animals, vanished across North America toward the end of the last ice age. A study published in the publication Science points to a new catalyst that ties together the two leading hypotheses, human activity and climate change. Each played a role, but fire was the key mediator, the authors argue. In their scenario, when the climate suddenly became warmer and drier toward the end of the last ice age, human-caused blazes grew out of control, permanently altering the landscape and spelling the end for animals. Sometime between 10,000 and 13,000 years ago, which is right around where we are in La Brea, verdant woods gave way to scrubby brushland and desert, says Emily Lindsay, a paleontologist and excavation leader in the La Brea Tar Pits and Museum. These shrubby, dry conditions could have made lightning strikes into a fire in no time. Everybody at the fort has to evacuate, and they're going to go to Bald Ridge, which is the highest peak in the area, because famously, heat does not rise. Where else are they going to go? 
Of course, there are some who are going to the tar pits for the whole message sending thing. Sam tells Lucas and Judah to grab Veronica and they'll all leave together. But Josh instead takes this urgent moment to set the record straight between him and Veronica. I came to apologize. I didn't think before I spoke. I, you deserve to be on the council. It's good for you. It's good for the family. That means a lot. As the animals flee from the fire, Veronica asks for time to sweep the area with her council members. She feels like she has to prove herself on this first task. Izzy, Gavin, Scott, and Maya are headed to the tar pits with a message in a bottle. Remember when Eve did that? And it worked? They're going to send this message to future Scott. But remember, future Scott was a vaping scaredy cat who apparently was, quote-unquote, consumed by darkness. Scott takes a moment to talk with Maya about how cool Petra is and how he wished that he got to help them reunite. They also cover the job interview scheduled for the day that the hole opened. I want to know... What's my place in all of this? The truth is, I was told to recruit you to the program. What would a time travel project want with an anthropologist? I mean, not exactly my skill set. Looks like Maya's not going to help you with this one, Scott. So they toss the bottle in, and then they head for safety. In the meantime, Lucas hears a whimpering wolf puppy, and he brings the dog along with them, much to Sam's dismay. With the fire coming and no parents, Lucas and Veronica want to save the pup, and that makes sense. What's the worst that could happen? Right? In 2021, Ty found Gavin's phone in the parking lot, but he can't crack the password. And Sam somehow managed to get a bolo on the mystery Hyundai that is driven by the mystery female. Finally, four episodes into the season, Ty starts to talk about how he misses Para. It's about time. And Sam thinks about how he is failing his daughter, but Ty assures him that he is doing good. And he skips the whole she's lost in time with a teenage horn dog part of the story. Gavin's phone rings and Scott's name is listed as the caller, which Ty recognizes. And then they all meet up because Scott's got a story and so do the other boys. They plead with Scott to share the message that was intended for Gavin. Scott thinks that these guys are nuts or nefarious, which is expected since his whole experience with time travel lies in movies. Like most of us, honestly. Strangely, Scott doesn't believe the time travel story, and he stands his ground. His message is for Gavin only. And in an effort to gain Scott's trust, Ty makes him lunch. Why? What does that have to do with anything? In 10,000 BC, Sam's group of wanderers is tired, thirsty, and coughing. Smoke is catching up, and the puppy is at Sam's side. He really seems to like him. Sam goes off alone for a moment, but Lucas goes to get him. He's having memories of a wildfire affecting his family in California before the hole. Lucas tries to calm him and brings him back to the camp, where Ruth is, unexpectedly, and she says that they have a dammed up river that could stop the fire, which seems improbable to me, but... Dude, I, I don't know anything about fire. None of us do. It's completely unpredictable. I mean, it takes whatever or whoever it wants... Veronica volunteers to join the group, going towards the fire to undam the river. Lucas objects. Any father would do the same. But Veronica insists, so Lucas won't let her go alone, and Sam won't let them go alone together, and the puppy seems to be going wherever Sam does, and so Judah is entrusted with the rest of the group. 10,000 BC Gavin starts inhaling too much smoke, too. Izzy turns into a patient daughter as Gavin seems to drift into Vision World and see more of the chip, and a person with three scratches on their arm, just above the elbow. 
He also sees a photo of Scott and a paper that Scott wrote titled Universal Flora, a study of what we leave behind. This could connect with James's miracle cures from the Lazarus building. I see where you're going. In 2021, Gavin's captor wears military boots, so I think that we know what side she's on. She says her name is Helena, and that Gavin wouldn't believe who she is. She tells Gavin, You willingly signed up to do horrible things. No, no, I'm not that type of person. You are, when it's the only way to stop something worse from happening. The military funded a program to turn fighter jets into time machines. And I laughed just as hard as the first time. She was their lead civilian consultant, and she and Gavin had a plan to sabotage the project together. Gavin says he doesn't believe any of it, and she says that she has proof. But she can't tell him what it is. She has to show him what it is. As the fire spreads, 10,000 BC Gavin starts to bring Scott in on his updated vision. Scott says that his paper was on extinct plants and their regenerative properties, among other things. They talk so long that the fire is literally on top of them in the trees. Gavin and Izzy move ahead, while Scott goes back to the river to get Maya. Helena brings 2021 Gavin to a safety deposit box, presumably in a bank, a scene that contains exact imagery from one of his visions. But you have to remember that 2021 Gavin hasn't had the visions, so he doesn't recognize them. Helena needs Gavin's thumb to open the safe deposit box. From Trustworthy.com, leasing a safety deposit box from a bank is one of the more popular ways to keep a safe deposit box. You receive added security from storing your items in their vault. When you rent a safety deposit box from a bank, they'll give you a key to use simultaneously with their guard key to access your valuables. Some banks use a keyless system that requires biometric authentication, like a thumbprint scanner. One safe seller online says that there are a variety of lock options available, such as digital locks with multiple users, audit trail locks, and dual control mode, where it requires two people to get into the safe and time delay mode. While the tech is available, I don't think that you can just go to your local bank and ask for dual biometrics for your safe deposit box. So it takes both of their thumbs to open the box. So they were together before, and when Gavin opens it, there is a human head. Just kidding. It's the microchip, of course. At the dam, Veronica suggests that they use bullets from a gun that Sam has in order to make an explosive that will break the dam, since the Fort People's pulley isn't working. And then suddenly the puppy runs away, and roles are completely reversed. Lucas doesn't seem to care about running after the puppy, but Sam needs to save the puppy. So as he runs off, he gives Lucas his gun, but then Lucas runs after Sam, and he gives the gun to Veronica. So the only people left are people who are not experienced with guns and explosives. In 2021, Ty is serving up what looks like a grilled cheese at Scott's place. Apparently, there is a reason for this. Ty remembers that it's a snack that Scott's mom would make him. But Ty comes at him too hard, and he starts telling him his life is a mess, his hobby's a crutch, and more. Ty says he knows that this sadness is about a girl, and honestly... We have very few details on what happened, but they talk Scott into sharing the message, so it all works out in the end. This is the message. To Scott Israni. Call an Air Force pilot named Gavin Harris. His phone number is 951-555-0196. 
tell him he hid an important microchip and that finding it is the only way to save his wife. At all costs, he must find a way to get that chip to 10,000 BC. Good luck, Scott, and thank you. Gavin Harris. Get the chip to 10,000 BC? What the what? Just after Scott finishes reading the letter, Sam's LAPD friend calls with a location on the Hyundai. I don't know how, since Gavin and Helena seem to be at some remote location by the water. And she drops a bomb that we've all been waiting to go off. She is his sister. Well, half-sister, she says. Apparently, James, after seeing what the military conjured up, decided to make his own time travel tech, because, you know, for every DoorDash, there's an Uber Eats or a Postmates. To recap a little bit, Gavin didn't meet James yet, so he doesn't know what James told him, which is, Tell your sister I'm sorry I failed. Believe me, when she comes for you, you'll know why. So far, we don't know if that carefully constructed line means that she'll be sympathetic or vengeful. But she seems like she's all ready to do good here. So she brings Gavin to a double Aurora. She seemed to know exactly where this was and when it was happening. Now this Gavin has never seen an Aurora, much less a double Aurora. So he is confounded. But she lays things out pretty concisely. Go through the blue, you're in 10,000 BC. Go through the red, you're in 1965. 65? Why? Because that's where the program originated. To finish our work, to shut all of this down, we need to go there. Helena says that they need to go to 1965 to nip this whole entire program in the bud. Stop it before it starts. Now cut to Sam, looking for a puppy in a scene from an episode of Fire Country, Friday on CBS. The dog runs into some sort of stone structure, but Sam takes it out and joins Lucas. There, he confesses that Riley lost her dog in that fire that they talked about before, so he needs to save this pup, you know, for his pup. Fire surrounds these guys, and Sam says they can't leave. This all gets very confusing. In the meantime, Veronica shoots a bottle, and the dam breaks, and suddenly, everyone's safe, and the fire is over. Lucky for them, the fire seemed to only be burning inside of the riverbed itself. According to the University of Arizona, if a fire has time to burn and create energy, for acres and acres before it reaches a road, spotting might cause the fire to cross roads, rivers, streams, and even lakes. In order to prevent this from happening, fire crews backburn. This means that they start small fires along a natural or man-made fire break, such as an asphalt road, or in this case, a river, to deprive the wildfire of fuel. Basically, they meet the fu- basically they meet the wildfire where it's at at the controlled line. While La Brea doesn't reflect measurements accurately, I like that they fought nature with nature. But if you're ever stuck in 10,000 BC, in the middle of a forest fire, this may not do the trick. Helena says that the auroras appear and close in a blink, which is odd, right, since she knew where this one was? But Sam and Ty show up, and they say, Gavin, don't go. And Helena throws her bag down, presumably because she needs two hands to operate, I don't know, say, a gun? Ty says that they need the chip to go to 10,000 BC to save Eve. Gavin is torn. He is conflicted. Should he save the world or should he save his wife? Oh, and there's the gun. Sam goes into military mode and wrestles the gun away from Helena. Gavin caves and he gives the chip to Ty, who takes it through the blue aurora. Even though it took a while for us to catch up with them, Scott does get to Maya, who is just hanging out in a riverbed. Scott notices, though, that Maya has three scars on her arm, 
just above the elbow. Oh no! It turns out that Maya has been lying, but Scott finds himself on the wrong side of a threat from Maya. As Gavin and Izzy continue on, Maya catches up to them, but she's alone. She says Scott was taken by the people from the base. Meanwhile, Veronica searches the charred rubble for Lucas and Sam. She finds them alive and that little stone structure that the dog went to. Also, the dog is good. Sam is good. Everybody's good. Even the Ford is good. It never got hit by the fire. Lucas says that he's proud of Veronica, and that seems to go a long way between the two of them. Then Ty comes onto the scene at the fort. Sam and Gavin are happy to see him, but he tells them exactly what Helena said about the double auroras going to 10,000 B.C., or 1965. In 2021, Ty is a practicing psychiatrist. In order to be one of these, you need to complete a medical degree to become a doctor. Research in the field of medicine and other fields is often made up of experiments, and results of experiments are often proven by reproducibility, a major principle underpinning the scientific method. Replication studies involve different researchers using the same methodology. The more often they can achieve the same result, the more likely the result will happen again and again when the study is replicated. Only after such successful replications should a result be recognized as scientific knowledge. In this particular case, Ty heard one person's interpretation of a double aurora, and he has made it gospel. So, without much evidence besides Helena's word, Ty tells Sam that... I went through another double aurora. They go to two places. 2021... In 1965, Josh and Riley, they didn't go through the same color light as I did. You think the Aurora sent them to 65? Yeah. I don't know how to get there yet, but it's a step in the right direction. Thank you, Ty. With this, we're one step closer to bringing it back. Everyone is happy as Maya stares on with an ice-cold look on her face. What just happened? It feels very strange that I don't have a lot of questions about this week's episode. As crazy as the antics were, they all kind of made sense in a way, like reasonable nonsense. It's all outrageous, but they're stitching all of that together pretty well. I think the biggest question we have leaving the episode is that Gavin is presented with the option to go to 1965 and stop the time travel project before it begins, or give Ty the chip to go to 10,000 BC so they can use it to trade for Eve. So, wouldn't going to 1965 and stopping the program from starting indirectly save Eve? Like, if you discover that a person you loved existed in multiple timelines, would you let one in another timeline die to save the one in yours? More to the point, why didn't they just do both? Helena says 1965 is when the project began, so taking the computer chip there isn't going to do them any good. If anything, it would advance their research to heights that they can't comprehend, and so it would have the opposite of a helpful effect. So, Ty takes the chip back to 10,000 BC, and how about Gavin and Helena also go to 1965? I mean, this would help a lot. You have two possible ways to take care of things. Why not increase your odds? That's a very good question. Another question we have is, what is Maya Schmidt up to? How many lies has she told us already? She helped jog Gavin's memory, so she knows about the chip. And maybe she even bet on Ty coming back with it. But she's got those cuts, so we know that she read Scott's paper. And we know that she can use flora to mix up interesting drug concoctions. If her goal is noble, then she probably wants to run a health clinic with prehistoric plants as the source of her medicine. Kind of like a prehistoric athletic greens. 
But of course, if she was noble, I don't think that she'd have that stare at the end of the episode. So is she looking to make more mind-altering mixtures for interrogating, or is it something worse? That's a very good question. Lucky for us, we see Scott in the preview for next week, so Maya didn't just shoot him or something. She wanted to recruit him for whatever she's up to, so maybe she'd like to keep him around. As much as I like him, Scott seems pretty mentally malleable, so maybe she'd be able to win him over if she reveals her master plan. He followed Aldridge around like a little puppy dog, so why wouldn't Maya be able to get him to do the same? That's a very good question. For the sake of the podcast, let's just make a note that Ty did go back to 10,000 BC, meaning that there is only one Ty in 2021 now, and that is good. Jennifer could conceivably encounter her future self. The consequences of that could be disastrous. I foresee two possibilities. One, coming face to face with herself 30 years older would put her into shock and she'd simply pass out. Or two, the encounter could create a time paradox, the results of which could cause a chain reaction that would unravel the very fabric of the space-time continuum and destroy the entire universe. Granted, that's a worst-case scenario. The destruction might in fact be very localized, limited to merely our own galaxy. But I have to ask, if Ty steps in the blue in 10,000 BC and he goes to 2021 and the 2021 blue takes him to 10,000 BC and in both cases red allegedly takes you to 1965 then are both auroras blue in 1965 and if so how do you know which one to go through that's a very good question digging deeper despite the comical ending of the problem i was proud to see la Brea stepping up once again to address real issues This time, wildfires were a driving force in the plot and one for Sam as well. The World Health Organization says wildfires are increasing around the globe in frequency, severity, and duration, heightening the need to understand the health effects of wildfire exposure. The risk of wildfires grows in extremely dry conditions, such as drought, heat waves, and during high winds. With climate change leading to warmer temperatures and drier conditions and the increasing urbanization of rural areas, the fire season is starting earlier and ending later. Wildfire events are getting more extreme in terms of acres burned, duration and intensity, and they can disrupt transportation, communications, water supply, and power and gas services. This is not only in California where the show takes place, and I presume most of the creators live, but also in Australia where the show films The brush fire season in Australia now begins as early as November and runs through February. That's over four months. In America, it started as early as April last year and ran through the fall. Statista reports, wildfires were responsible for the death of some 310 people worldwide from January to September 2023, already putting 2023 as the highest number of such deaths since 1990. In the past three decades, the global death toll due to wildfire has surpassed 2,900 people. But death is only part of how it can affect us. The American Lung Association says wildfire smoke can be extremely harmful to the lungs, especially for children, older adults, and those with asthma, COPD, and bronchitis, or a chronic heart disease or diabetes. Smoke from the fires in the north and west also threatened the lung health of Americans thousands of miles away. In fact, In one fire alone, wildfire pollutants reached people in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, and Iowa from flames in northern Canada. If you'd like to contribute to humanitarian efforts to support victims of wildfires, consider donating to directrelief.org. If you'd like to focus on animal victims, consider the International Fund for Animal Welfare at ifaw.org. 
If you're concerned with prevention, consider any number of ecological funds that will push for legislation. One that sends me a lot of mail is the Nature Conservancy at nature.org. All of these charities are rated 96% or higher at Charity Navigator. Here's a preview. In the preview for next week, we discover that Levi is alive. Yeah, so? Now that Gavin has the microchip, he needs to make a handoff. And in order to get to where they have to make that handoff, they seem to be taking a rafting expedition. And it is on a lot of green screen. I'm so close to getting it back. Play this wrong, I'll lose everything. I think Helena came through the portal too. It looks like she's on the raft with Sam, Ty, and Gavin. A damn big croc is going to hit that raft and try to eat Ty and or Sam. There's something in the water. And Levi looks like he'll try to lead a jailbreak with Scott. Sam tangles with some soldiers, and there's as much shooting as a scene from the A-Team. I admit, I was hoping that we would get a two-parter, both on the same night, but it looks like this will be fun, and I don't mind the week in between. Ah, what a tangled web we weave. Well, here we are close to the end. What could possibly happen? How could they ever tie all of this together? I have a hypothesis, and I'm going to share it with you. The crux of my whole entire hypothesis is that at the end of season two, Eve was sucked into the portal to 2150, and there she mastered time travel. In 2076, James's idea of saving the future through resources from the past was actually correct, and he saved everybody. By 2150, everything was fine. People were alive and healthy. Like most innovations, time travel became more commonplace. And when Eve landed there, she started to learn as much as she could. With this newfound knowledge, she was able to orchestrate a real-life thrill experience. Think an escape room, but maybe more immersive? Since the experience is nearing its climax, things are starting to fall apart a little bit. You know, Levi was a little suspicious that something was going on. Scott was also getting a little too close to the truth. And Maya is a plant who's in on the whole thing. So yes, a hole did open in 2021 and swallowed thousands of people. And all the events prior to the end of season two actually did happen. But season three is all based around Eve planning an extravagant time travel anniversary party experience. Distance makes the heart grow fonder. So, after being separated from Gavin, Eve started to cherish the idea of her marriage a little bit more. So, in the final scene of the show, we will see Eve on the other side of a curtain, and she will be arm-in-arm with Josh, who still sucks, and he is arm-in-arm with Riley, who is healthy and fine. Jessica Harris will be there, too. You remember Ioni Skye from Season 1, Gavin's sister. Izzy and Gavin will be understandably shaken, but also full of joy. And Layla will be there, but she's just playing it cool because Izzy hasn't come out yet. As guests start to enter the room, we'll see Lucas and Veronica bowled over by their reunion with Mary Beth, Lily, and Ella. All three did die, and two of them are the same person, but Eve invited similar instances of them from other timelines so that they could attend the party. Sam will be relieved to find Riley healthy, but he'll burst when he sees his son and wife. She still wants a divorce, but that hottie from the end of season two, she sidles up next to him, 
Sam plays along like they've been together for a while, and that will spin off into a romantic comedy Brady Bunch show that is exclusively on Peacock. Para and Sophie will walk up to Ty together, and he'll nervously stammer, but then the ladies will laugh and everyone will get along just fine. Tammet rolls up too, and it's love at first sight between him and Sophie. Even Caroline and James are there, but it's them when they were still in love, so there's no drama when they share drinks with Helena and Silas. Rebecca Aldridge comes out too, and she hugs Scott, whose mind is almost exploding from all of these developments, but Aldridge shares one more with him. He is actually Petra's father. Scott thought he was meeting Maya for a job interview, but it was really a date set up by his Tar Pits friends. She read his paper on Flora and was so taken that she had to meet him. And they fell in love and had Petra. But that was in a future that Scott didn't know existed yet. Judah's also there. He grabs hors d'oeuvres while Levi laments being all alone, until his 1988 family shows up, and then Judah's the only one who's left there all alone. And then there's the table that I would be sitting at. It's me, Billy, Tony, Officer Baker, Franklin Marsh, Dr. Sophia Nathan, and Kira. And we're all just getting to know each other, because all these characters are spread all across different timelines and different parts of the show. The joy is palpable as the screen fades to black. And then Gavin opens his eyes in the woods. Sam and Maya are standing over him, because he's hallucinated the whole entire second half of the season. Cut to black, and then the screen brings up text that says... Continue the journey on Tubi. And that's the end of the show. And of course, if you're listening and you're saying that's really hard to believe, Pete, well, you're right, because Tubi is owned by Fox, and this show is obviously owned by NBC. Anyway, if you like what you're listening to, then you can rate us out there somewhere. If you have any questions or ideas, you can reach out via yallheardpod at gmail.com. That's the email address for the parent podcast of this show, Y'all Heard. If you have a dollar to spare, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash y'allheard. Otherwise, keep watching La Brea and keep tuning in to the La Brea Purveya. And between now and next week, don't walk into any auroras, no matter how pretty they are. <laughs>